good to be home. It's good to be home. And uh, thank you, uh, Pastor Fred, for those words. Um, I'm not deserving of, of any of them, but it's, it's amazing how God in his providence allows things through his means to happen that leave us in awe and marvel. So if you are here with us this morning, uh, first of all, we send you greetings from the other side of Miami, in the land of bakeries and left Sedano's bags and weird dismantled shopping carts. We send you a greeting from West Flagler Park Baptist Church. The brothers and sisters there pray for you and love you deeply. And we're excited when I told them where I was going to be today, this morning. If you are here with us, would you please turn with us to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we will read verses 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to come to a place in where we can behold your work in the midst of our weakness, where we can see your power in your gospel through our pain, our mind is something that we have not yet understood. Our hearts have been defiled by the things that are around us and over us, but powerful and gracious are you to understand both our minds and our hearts that we ourselves do not. In this time, would you allow for your gospel to transcend all of our experiences, shortcomings, that in an age where it's hard to focus and to pay attention, that you would allow for our attention and our focus to be cast upon our risen Savior. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 and this is God's holy word. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ. And him crucified. And God had a blessing to the reading of his holy word. 
I remember when I used to run. I'm going to let that sit in. The reasons for which I don't run anymore are obvious. There is a, a level of sanctification. Expedited sanctification. Amazon Prime sanctification. That needs to happen before I uh, take place in those endeavors again. I remember I used to like having soda after I would run. After like a five mile or six mile run. Just the taste of a Diet Pepsi or a Diet Coke, you feel it in your throat. And you get that feeling and it just, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's beautiful. It's an amazing experience. You should try it. Especially in this sun. But after a while, when you begin in those types of endeavors and situations and where you choose to consume and drink other things other than what you need in that moment, which is a glass of water, your palate begins to change. The palate begins to change and you start desiring not that which is essentially nourishment for you, but that which pleases you. And then I thought, why is it that it takes a desert for us to realize and recognize how precious an oasis really is? Why does it take a wilderness for us to understand and to appreciate the little things, and for us humans to look over and to value that which is so essential, such as water. I wonder who knows. In this great book of 1 Corinthians, Paul is speaking to a church that it was in the midst of nostalgia. You remember what nostalgia is like? The good old days. It was a church that believed that their best days were not ahead of them, but were in their past. In their past, the Corinthians were gifted in chapter 1. Verse 7, Paul says to these Corinthians, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you are not lacking in any gift, they were gifted. People in Corinth were gifted in their service. I mean, when you go around and you read chapters 12 and 14, there are others that are gifted in wisdom and in knowledge and even in languages. 
not the type of languages that we hear in other places that sounds uh, more like a sci-fi movie and not the true gifting that was found in Acts chapter 2. When others saw these things and saw their gift and saw their capacity, they were marveled and they were wondered by their gift that they forgot about, the gift giver. And the reason why those gifts were given in the first place, which was to exalt and elevate the power that is only found in the clear, consistent, and concise preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They've forgotten. They were so riled up about what God did at one time that they were not able to move forward. So what happens, and that's why when we have gone through 1 Corinthians over at West Flagler, what we do is, the reason why we begin in this way, we start 1 Corinthians, not with chapter 1, but with chapter 15. You begin with the end, because in the end, in chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, we have the reason and the answer by which these Corinthians are continuing in the deep depths of their sinful passions. I mean, chapter 5, there's some Jerry Springer stuff in here. Some bad stuff that happens. There's a man that sleeps with his Stepmother, I mean, that's all types of stuff that's going on here. Chapter 6, there's lawsuits against believers, against each other. Christians are suing one another. In chapter 8, they are giving and buying food from and for idols. And even in chapter 9, what we see, they even discredit Paul's call. As if. Paul had a promotion when he stepped in and to do that which allowed him to see persecution. Paul never, never was nothing but a stranger to persecution and now he was in it. He gave up his life for this gospel. And all of that being said, when all of that happens and all the sinfulness that is in a church to the point in where some historians tell us that even in the meeting when these meetings would happen at Corinth, there were prostitutes that would meet members in the front and take them out. There were people that were defiling the Lord's Supper, bringing loaves of bread and getting drunk in the midst of that which is holy, all because they ignored that which was of first importance. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, Paul says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. And that's what we will first see. That the Apostle Paul is clear about his motive. 
His motive is not lofty speech, words that can impress a magnetic personality. No, no, what, what Paul is interested in is clarity in the sound preaching and proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because what happens, you know what happens, brothers and sisters, when the gospel is not clearly presented? The church moves from affecting and serving the world to the world affecting and destroying the church. Oh no, that God would save us from that. That God would save that which is outside to come in the inside of that which God has protected and preserved for years. What happens on Sunday mornings are tales, nothing but tales of victorious Christian walks. And your pastors and preachers speak about their lives and their wives and their experiences. I heard one time about some sort of campaign, lectures on marriage. And then when I heard about the lectures of marriage and the campaign that it was, it was nothing but do this, do that. This is what you should do. Let me tell you something. I've been married a few years. It's not easy. It's not easy. But you know what makes it beautiful? The love of Christ that is in both of us. And I don't care uh, where you've been, uh, how, how experienced you are. We're all pilgrims on the way. On the way, key word. None of us have arrived yet. Some of us are closer. Some of us are further. But none of us are there. And I don't know how good of a husband you are, preacher, pastor. But you don't got Christ beat. Jesus is the best husband that has existed since the history of the world. He hasn't been unfaithful once in thought, word, and deed. If you need classes or lectures on how marriage should work, look at the love that God has lavished upon the church found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's all that we need. See, but then what happens is that we become conditioned to what is sensible to what is filled with pleasure and what we decide to satiate our sinful lusts with. And Paul guards against that. That's why he continues on and moves from clarity to consistency. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, after saying, and when I came to you, brothers, I did not come to you proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you. And later on in verse 3, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. You know what that is? That's preaching and proclamation in the midst of the good times and in the midst of the bad times, in season and out of season. 2 Timothy chapter 4, 
in the last letter that Paul writes before he reaches his death. He writes to young Timothy with most care and with most desire. An exhortation. An exhortation with pain. An exhortation with scabs and bruises. Second Timothy chapter 4 verses 1 through 5. Timothy is charged. And this charge is not only for the preacher but for the congregation. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Why did he say patience? Well, he's going to need some patience. He's going to need some patience, all right? Because, verse 3, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit what? To suit their own passions. Their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Because when the truth is hurtful, myths are marvelous. They sound great. Tell me more about Hercules. Tell me more about that, Pastor. But as for you, he tells not only Timothy, but this is a mindset of the church. Be sober-minded. Be focused. Endure the suffering. And do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Be consistently looking at the worth and brilliance and glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what he's here for. In Acts chapter 20, to the Ephesians, Paul writes that for three years I did not admonish you with tears. On my face, seeking to tell you the beauty of the whole counsel of God. And here, lastly, his desire is not only clarity, not only consistency, but concise and exclusive preaching of the gospel. Jesus Christ and him crucified. You don't take away, you don't add. That is what we need. We need Jesus, Jesus, and more Jesus. And when you get itchy, you grow up. You put your pants up, women, skirts. And you endure this because it is hard. When did medicine ever taste good? It's what we need. It's what we need. Clear, consistent, and concise preaching and proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ.
I have a friend who worked in a bank. Big, tall guy. Like six, six, seven. He worked in a bank. He used to play basketball and stuff. I used to let him beat me. Hey, don't let the hype fool you. Jump shots. The game has changed today. And I asked him one time, I said, how, uh, how is it that you tell a fake bill from the rest? And uh, he said, he looked at me and said, well, you know what, that's interesting because in our training, this is what they do. They, for months, for us to be ready and to gain a grasp, they don't fill our nonsense with the fake bills. They let us hold the real thing. And every single day that you see and touch the bill with your hand and you see how it feels and how it looks after months and, and weeks and days of seeing it over and over again, you begin tired that if you ever see a banker, whenever they get a fake bill, they don't even have to lift it up, up on the light. They already know. That is how you get ready. That is your training. Know the truth from error. You don't go and pursue error. You stay consistent in the truth. And when you receive the truth, the true proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord, the fact and the experience and the pronouncement that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures and was raised for our justification, it comes a time where people can roll on the floor, speak in gibberish, preach other things, and you will say, I've received this grace, it is far too tasty than this tasteless nonsense. I need the truth. Oh, the word says that the sheep know the shepherd. They hear his voice and follow him. It is not our job to make goats sheep. It is our job to allow for the great shepherd to call his sheep home. So that they may be drinking Coke or satiating their lustful desires with other things. But our job is to humbly reach down, give them what the Samaritan woman needed and didn't know that she needed that living water so that they would hunger and thirst no more. Glendale, let me tell you something. God loves you. You know why? Because the gospel has not departed from this church. Things can change. 
parking can look different. There could be different carpet. But if the gospel leaves a church, the church ceases from being church. May God protect us from that. That our desire would be in the midst of division, turmoil, and deceit that is in the world. That we would be an embassy of God's grace where there is a clear, consistent, and concise proclamation of Jesus Christ that will allow our and us saints to be fed and nourished as we were chosen to be. Do not reject and forget what you have. For one day, when you neglect what you have, you will one day repent relentlessly for what you had and cry for what you had. It is with all of us. Some of us suffer hard right now, suffer pain. Some of us have lost mothers, and fathers, and family members. When they were alive, what, what did we say? Oh man, I can't stand them. They ruin us. But now that they're gone, Oh, did we wish, do we wish that we were near, that they were near, that we could just touch their faces and hold their hand. Glendale, do not depart from the message that has brought you life. For doing that will bring about your death. Our blessing is that the glorious gospel of God's grace reigns and will reign forevermore. May God bless you. Amen. Let's bow. Let's pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, Lord, um, <clears throat> As always, we say thank you.